Coming up on today's show, Brick Mercer is hosting the Just for Laughs Comedy Night in Canada. Comes to our province next week. We're also going to talk about how things are for bees in Canada right now. As the bees go, we go, and things just may not be all that good. We'll also get an update on a horrible situation in Calgary. An innocent woman dead after getting caught up in a violent incident. Uh, we're going to have a little fun here. We're going to talk to uh, somebody we've talked to before on the show. It was fantastic. Um, you know him. You love him. Rick Mercer, um, a Canadian comedic. I don't know if he's entered legend territory yet. He's getting there. He's getting there. I don't know what the qualification is, but he's certainly one of our preeminent funny men in this country, and he's back on the road. Rick, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Appreciate your time. Oh, thank you for having me. Last time we talked, you were promoting the book that you'd written during the pandemic because, as yes. you said at the time, you, you couldn't do anything else. You couldn't get on the road. How excited are you to be back on the road, back on stage, performing for people again? It's unbelievable. I can't actually... I knew I'd be happy, but I didn't know I'd be as happy as I was because I think everyone in show business and in a lot of businesses, for the last couple of years, in the back of our minds, we were thinking, well, maybe it's over. Maybe we won't do that thing that we did for so long anymore. And so we opened in New Brunswick, and to see a 1,000 people come out in a beautiful theater was just incredible. And, and it's been like that so far uh, right across the country. We're in Thunder Bay tonight, uh, heading your way, obviously. It's just been fantastic. I even find myself... Like, I probably ironed a thousand shirts in a thousand hotel rooms getting ready to do a gig in my life, and I always hate that part. I just hate it. And now I'm always humming a tune, going, oh, we're going to go do a show in a theater. It's great. And uh, we should mention you'll be in Edmonton next Thursday, the 19th. You'll be in Calgary on Friday, the 20th. Um, It's not just Rick Mercer, though. This is the Just for Last comedy tour. So tell us about the show people will be seeing. Oh, well, Ivan Decker is an incredible comedian. He's been on Conan. He's got a Netflix special. He's won the Juno for Best Comedy Album of the Year. Uh, he's a phenomenal comedian. I watch, I stand on the wings every night and watch him. He's, he's so great. Iman El Husseini is a Montrealer who went to New York. She became a superstar in the comedy world there. She plays the Just for Last Festival every summer. She always wins the audience fan favorite. Uh, Dave Murhej. Uh, he's on the TV series Rami, which has been nominated for Emmys, and he too won the Juno for Best Comedy Album. So I'm on the road with, with the A-Team. It's, it's just incredible. And, and everyone's dropped their A-game. And, and the show, the laughs start from minute one, and they just roll all night. And it's a really fun show. It's also a light show. It's not a TED Talk. It's not a lecture <laughs> at any point. Because that's the last thing anyone wants at this juncture, right? We just, people need a laugh, and that's what we've delivered. I wanted to ask you about that. We had a conversation about this on the air, I think a week or two ago. Whenever Dave Chappelle got attacked on stage, uh, right after Chris Rock got smacked on stage, David Spade put out a Netflix special and said, I I don't know why I'm doing this right now. It is a minefield to be a comedian. You're a guy, like, I don't know... I mean, do you veer into the territory where you need to be worried about, oh, Rick Mercer's being canceled or you've, you've offended this person? I mean, how scary is it to be a stand-up comedian right now? I think everyone in the last couple of years had been waiting for that foot to drop at some point. <laughs> like, you know, like there's certain people who they call me and I see their name coming up. I go, oh, this can't be good. Why are they calling? <laughs> um, you know, what have I done now? I, I've always been very careful, but um, yeah, that's that's just... I guess everyone kind of knows that that's part of what's happening out there. And quite often, the unfortunate thing is when, uh, you know, people get quote unquote canceled for, for something that's taken out of context. Right. And I'm not a traditional stand up comic in the sense, but 
true stand-up comics, they work out. The way they write, and I don't work this way, but the way they write is they go to comedy clubs and they free associate on subjects. Yeah. That's the way they write. So they're not out there going, oh, this is a statement I've prepared. They're free associating on subjects and that's the way they create their comedy. And they're very nervous because they worry about that because they're out there basically improv and God knows what might come out of their mouth. Because we all know if you're sitting around with a bunch of friends, everyone's saying things sometimes that would get them canceled if they were on stage somewhere. But it, you just have to deal with that. But this has always been around. What I find interesting is that there was always people wanting to cancel people. There was always people wanting to say, you can't record your album, you can't read your, you do your play, you can't publish that book. But it was always Puritans. Like in Boston, it was banned in Boston. It was always the Christian right that wanted people to stop being able to do what it is they do. Now, quite often, it's the left yeah. had decided to adapt this strategy of saying you're not allowed to do that. And you know what? It was a failure strategy to begin with. People loved to get banned in Boston because then they could put the sticker on their book that said banned in Boston and <laughs> sell books. So it's a, it's a failing strategy, and why the left wing has picked it up along with the right now is absurd to me. The other discussion we were having about this whole conversation, Rick, is where is the line? Who draws the line? Should there be a line? Seinfeld says, I do a bit on Pop-Tarts. I don't like Pop-Tarts. They're funny. It's a joke. Don't take everything so seriously. Is that fair? Everything is fair game, or does there need to be a line? I think all comedians uh, will say that they don't want any lines imposed on them. But I think all comedians also see other comedians sometimes and go, whoa, they crossed the line. Yeah. Because we all have our self-imposed lines. I mean, I know there's stuff that I wouldn't do. I know there's stuff that I wouldn't find funny. I, I'm not uh, in the business of telling you what you can say on your show or what you find funny. Or I just, I, I, It just wouldn't cross my mind to go there. And uh, so I guess short answer, no. I mean, what, are we going to have some sort of the world board of comedy lines <laughs> yeah I, you know it, 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 yeah you're right it, it falls it, to it, the audience rick i mean ultimately that's what it comes to last question i'll let you go i know you're busy you're a political guy i don't know if if if, if the uh the act you're doing now is political i imagine there's some political element to it you're a master of it Politics, a bit of it for sure. Go on, yeah. Politics in this country has changed. Not politics, but the way that Canadians react to politics. How has the audience been? Because sometimes, if I just say a certain word, um, I'm going to have people yelling and screaming at me. A single word can do it on this show sometimes. I mean, has the audience changed the way they react to political humor? Oh, sure. They absolutely have. And, and like I, I was doing a bit and I did say, uh, you know, I said, and then of course we, you know, we dealt with the lockdown and some guy went crazy. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, let me finish what I'm saying. Like just me saying a word, yep. this person decided that they knew exactly what I was going to say and they weren't going to like it. Now, my position is even if I was going to say something you don't like, well, sorry, you're the one who came and sat down in the front <laughs> row. But, but uh, yeah, like, like you hear the guy out first. It's just a word at this point. I mean, I, I haven't even finished the sentence. And so, yeah, I, I hate to, yeah, well, there you go. People are quote unquote triggered, I guess. And again, that is more of the right being triggered, whereas it used to be the left who used to be triggered all the time. So the world is upside down. It is. It, like I say, it's a fun show, it's a light show. 
We'll get through it together, and it's what everyone needs. Yeah, absolutely. Come out, have a laugh. Just go out for a good time. Rick, can't thank you enough for joining us. I appreciate it. Can't wait for the show. May 12th in Edmonton, or sorry, May 19th uh, in Edmonton, and uh, May 20th in Calgary. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Rick. Thank you. Bye-bye. Have a great day. You too. That is Rick Mercer. going to have another discussion now, kind of agriculture-related. Well, I guess agriculture-related, but uh, much different than we were talking earlier about canola. We're talking about bees here, and there's a lot of concern about what we may be facing when it comes to a bee shortage, I guess, for lack of a better term. But let's talk to somebody who actually knows. We're going to chat with Paul Kelly, who is the research and apiary manager at the Honey Bee Research Center at the University of Guelph. Paul, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate you joining us today. You're welcome, Shay. When we talk about bees, first of all, let's just describe how important they are to agriculture of all kinds. I mean, without the bees, we don't have agriculture, right? Yeah, a good chunk of uh, the food we eat depends on bee pollination, and it's the most delicious and nutritious part of our diet. Fruit, seeds, nuts, berries, vegetables, uh, even coffee. Uh, Lots of things depend on bee pollination. And honeybees are the most important uh, bee out there doing the pollination in agriculture. Now, what's the situation? I know, I mean, uh, cranberry farmers in Quebec have some concerns, but what about just generally speaking? I know there's been stories for years now about bee populations being under pressure, and we're all going to pay for it. What is the current situation with honeybees? Well, this is uh, a really bad year this year, unfortunately. Uh, Since 2007, we've had higher losses of colonies over winter. That's the hardest time of year for bees, uh, especially long, cold prairie winters and places like Quebec that have uh, colder winters too. So we are now losing about 35% of our colonies on an annual basis. Uh, But this year, it looks like uh, it's going to be higher than that. Uh, The numbers aren't all in yet, but early results look like something like 40% in Alberta, uh, a little bit less than that in BC, higher in Ontario, much higher in Quebec. They're looking at about 60% or so. But that's an average. So we've got some people that are losing 90% of their bees and others that are fared not bad, like they're losing 10-15%. So we're trying to figure out what's going on, and, uh, you know, it's a serious situation. Any idea why? Why are we seeing these reductions? Well, we had a really widespread phenomenon last year that I've never experienced before. Um, Our bees, everybody, right across North America, everybody's bees did extremely well last year. So they came through the winter Almost every hive survived. The hives are really populous, lots of bees. That means they're raising male bees early, and this parasite that bees get develops on this the male bees. It reproduces on male bees as they're developing. And so we had a much higher production of these parasites within the, the colonies. They're called Varroa destructor. So the name, hmm. uh, they're, they're as bad as the name sounds. Is there any alternative? If, if we don't have the honeybees in numbers that we need, is there another way of doing the pollination? Or is, are we completely reliant on honeybees? Well, with large-scale agriculture, there just isn't enough uh, native bees around, and not all native bees are they basically evolved with the flowers um, that they um, were with throughout time here. So native bees are good at pollinating native plants, but not necessarily 
agricultural crops. And when we grow crops uh, in large plantings, um, big fields, there there just isn't enough native bees around to do that pollination. Honeybees can be moved in, and whenever you move a beehive in, you're plunking down 60,000 hives in the box. So that's a lot of pollinators all at once put into that spot. So modern agriculture is very heavily reliant on um, on honeybees, but there's um, th- there are things we can do to support native bees too to help uh, boost their populations, and it's all about pollination. Um, we're, we're helping any pollinator helps with pollen pollination. So how do we do that? What, what are the things we can do? Well, uh, a lot of people uh, plant for bees in their backyards. Even cities are great places for uh, native bees. Uh, There's such a diversity of flowers growing within urban environments. And so people plant uh, plants in their backyard that benefit bees. Um, Honeybees tend to forage where there are masses of flowers together. So they're really good out in agricultural situations. But uh, those small-scale plantings in in yards uh, really help. Uh, Other things that can be done are... um, Limiting sprays in roadsides so the plants just uh, grow up naturally. A lot of plants that grow on their own, just voluntarily come up, are good for pollinators. It's not always about planting for them. Sometimes we just need to naturalize uh, areas to uh, favor the pollinators. Interesting. Uh, And every time we have this discussion, I get people asking about the nicotine-based pesticides and if that's something that we need to be aware of. Uh, yeah, there's certainly concerns there. Um, they're not the only agricultural uh, products that can uh, harm bees. Uh, bees are insects, so insecticides are generally not good for them. Yeah. Uh, but there's I was concerned about uh, fungicides and, and herbicides as well. Some of these, the effects of some of these are sublethal, so they're they're not easily measured. Uh, something like mites is a little bit more easily measured so that we can have a better idea what's going on that way. Uh, but there have been instances in the past where there have been serious problems with uh, insecticides, and uh, it's not clear whether that's playing into uh, this year's conditions. Um, we know the mites are a serious problem, but we're we're not sure yet how much pesticides play a role in the losses that beekeepers have been experiencing. Paul, great information, great update. Thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate it. You're welcome, Shay. That is Paul Kelly. Paul is a uh, research and apiary manager at the Honey Bee Research Centre at the University of Guelph. Going to... Get into a conversation now about a uh, you know a really troubling incident that took place in Calgary um, earlier this week. Um, it happened in the Forest Lawn neighborhood of Calgary, and police say that an innocent woman, 40 years old, lost her life. Um, uh, she's not involved in the incident whatsoever; just an innocent bystander, by the sounds of things, um, in what they're calling a road rage incident. Sounds like there might be more to it, but that's all speculation. Anyway, let's get the details on exactly what happened. We're going to check in with uh, Tracy Nagai now, a reporter with Global News in Calgary. Tracy, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me uh, on to talk about this. Obviously, a lot of interest with this becoming, you know, many Calgarians' uh, worst nightmare becoming a yeah. reality here. It really, really is. I mean, I, for for anybody, when you're something like this unfolds and like, you're minding your own business, you're not involved in anything like this whatsoever. Uh, it, it's really it's frightening because that it, it could have been any of us, realistically, right? 
Mm-hmm, of course. And uh, the victim has been identified by friends and family as Angela McKenzie. And it appears she was just driving home. She's the mother of five kids um, between the ages of 8 to 17 years old. And she was just on her way home and then got sort of swooped up into this, uh, what police are calling a road rage incident uh, that started to unfold around 11 o'clock. So what have police said happened? It started with... Um... A, a, a car chase, I guess, for for lack of a better term, two cars um, pursuing each other and shooting at each other. Do I have that right? That's right. So there were bullets flying between a, a red truck and a gray Volkswagen Jetta uh, down the street. Several witnesses say that they reported seeing the two vehicles driving erratically. Um, and this was around 11 o'clock, as I said, on Tuesday night. And then, uh, yeah, bullets were heard. And all of a sudden, uh, witnesses say that they heard a crash and then people screaming, call an ambulance, they're dead, they're dead, call an ambulance, and then more shooting after that. And so in those moments after the vehicles crashed, that was when uh, Angela's uh, vehicle had been rammed into, um, and she actually died at the scene. Um, And there, there were at least two homes that were struck by gunfire, I read? Yes. So there was two homes. Um, One of them, we actually got a look inside and the bullets sort of went through the window and through a chair and into a wall. There was five people asleep at the time. And thankfully, in both of those homes, um, police did a check on welfare. And thankfully, you know, no one was injured. But obviously, that in itself could have ended up a lot differently. Um, so do we have any indication, first of all, any suspects were people arrested following this? So the person in the Jetta, after everyone, um, after everyone got out of their vehicles, basically there was more shooting. Sorry, my other line is going there. There was more (laughs) shooting. There was more shooting taking place in the person in the, um, Jetta tried to get away. Unfortunately, they were found um, a short time later suffering from gunshot wounds. They were taken to hospital. Okay. The people in the other vehicle in the truck, a man and a woman, also fled from the area. They have not been located yet uh, at last check with police. However, police have been asking for the public's help. They obviously believe that there's someone in the community that knows these two people that might have information. And they used some pretty strong wording. They asked people to find the courage, you know, to come forward and talk to investigators um, with the information that they might have. That's the interesting part to me, Tracy, and I don't want to get you off into the weeds talking about things that, that we don't know, but they they call it a road rage incident, but at the same time they say they're looking into the gang angle to see if that's a possibility, and asking the community to speak out with, with courage seems like, it doesn't sound like your typical road rage incident. No, definitely not, and uh, I think especially, too, to have two people in vehicles shooting at yeah. each other, um, you know, and then shooting after, you know, a woman has died at the scene of a crash. Um, It seems that there was some intent um, in order to, you know, try and hit this person or or whatever the feud is between them. I would say as well that the family, it seems, you know, is 
kind of guessing around this whole wording of, of a road rage incident as well. But, you know, we are hoping to learn more from police. Um, they still have the results of an autopsy that need to be released. And at that point, too, we're trying to find out, was Angela actually shot or did she die right. because of the crash? Yeah, we still don't know that either. Um, last one, how does this fit in with 58 shooting incidents? I know that's part of the Global News reporting on this. Um, obviously, that, you know, these kinds of incidents on top of 58 shootings so far this year as people rightfully concerned yes definitely um we actually did a look at uh the gangs and shootings um just last week we did a three-part series on this and it is very troubling um you know around the same period last year there was only about 24 shootings but if you look back between 2015 and 2020 there was more than 500 shootings recorded um in calgary over those you know, five years. And so police have said that they are going to get this under control, that they are putting more resources into this. That was, you know, a few weeks ago, but now we've seen this and this really was, you know, Calgarians worst fears becoming a reality right here that an innocent bystander would get caught up in this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So just to sum up, we have uh, some suspects still on the loose, but some in custody, right? Yes, we have a person involved. Um, from my understanding, he hasn't been called a suspect right. yet. Somebody who was involved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Okay, right. uh, Tracy, thank you so much for the update. I really appreciate it. No, thank you. That, that is Tracy Nagai, who is a reporter with Global News in Calgary, bringing us the details on this situation. And as she said, I mean, that's, that's the fear. That, that's the fear. When we hear, lots of times, let's be honest, let's be honest here. When you hear these stories of gangs having gang fights or whatever, the first thought is, well, I'm not in a gang. Um, I don't have to worry about it. But but the fact of the matter is this changes the scope of this situation and causes a lot of concern for a lot of people. This woman, by all accounts, was 40 years old, driving home, had no involvement with anything that was happening whatsoever, completely and totally uninvolved and 100% innocent, not related in any way, shape or form, got caught up. Uh, in an incident that police are telling us involved two vehicles driving down 36th Street Southeast, shooting at each other as they're doing it. Uh, I don't know if there was high speed, out of control. Ultimately, it ends in a crash with two other completely unrelated, uninvolved, innocent vehicles. This woman was in one of them, Angela McKenzie, 40 years old, and now um, she's lost her life because of this. So, of course, the police investigation underway, homicide detectives might get involved. There's still a lot of, we're exploring this, we're investigating this, that's an avenue that we'll be investigating, lots of things. There's a lot of uncertainty around these situations. We will get more information as it goes along. Thanks for listening today. To hear any of our other interviews, you can find them wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to rate and review us.